Today our focus is going to be on us ministering in our community. Now, I want to I share with you a story that I heard about a lady named Margaret Sankster. Uh, Margaret Sankster was a social worker, and she was, giving a, a, uh, she was giving a speech to some of her colleagues, and as she was talking, she wanted to tell them a story about a young man's life that was greatly impacted by the work that she was able to do. She said she was on her way home from work, and she was driving through an urban area whenever she saw a, a young boy that was standing by the staircase whose body was just, she said he was beaten and battered and bruised. And she said, I, I knew something needed to happen for that boy. She said, it didn't look healthy. So she drove over to where he was. She began to talk to him. And what she found out is that a few months before, is he had been hit by a car. Now, his parents were, they, they didn't have enough money really to do anything about it. They couldn't take him to the hospital for him to get the surgeries that were needed. They really didn't know what else to do. And so she decided, because of her position, that she was going to use all the contacts that she had in order to help this boy. So she, she worked through uh, all the connections she had. She cut through a lot of red tape. And that boy was able to get the necessary surgeries that were done in order to really benefit and help his life. She said a couple of years later, she was sitting in her office, and she said that boy walked into her office, and she said he, he, wasn't, he wasn't on crutches. She said he walked in, he looked at her, he smiled, and she said he did a cartwheel for me right in my office. And she said, when I saw him do that, she said, I, I, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, if somebody ever asked me, is there ever just one good thing that you've done in your life? She said, I knew that I'd be able to point at that boy and say, that is one good thing that I've done in my life. After that, if she told that story, she asked the colleagues that she was speaking to, she said, now I'd like for you to take a guess on where he is today. And somebody raised their hand and said, he's a social worker like you. Somebody else said, he's in college, or, or he's in medical school. She said, today, he is in a federal penitentiary for murder. She said, I taught him how to walk. She said, but there was nobody there that was able to teach him where to walk. And I thought about that as a church. That is, that is so much our calling. Our calling isn't just simply to tell people where to walk or how to walk. Our, our calling is to show people where to walk. And, and that is why we are going through this series called C4, because we believe that God has called our church, that he's called Christians, to engage culture, not just to, to tell people what to do, but to show people where to walk. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see in Philippians, the Apostle Paul challenging the church there to make a difference, to make an impact in in how they lived, but also to make an impact in showing people how to live. And that is a challenge that still stands for the church today. It stands for, stands for Village Church today. You see, we, we've been challenged to show people the path to walk on. Now the question is, well, how do we do that? And that's why we're looking in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4 today, because I really believe this. As we look in that text today, we're going to see several different ways that we as believers and we as Village Church can make an impact in our community. Now, whenever Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church, if you know anything about Paul, it won't be surprising for you to know when he wrote this letter, he is once again in prison. Paul's always in jail. He's in jail because of his faith in Jesus. 
And so he writes this letter to the Philippian church because he'd been hearing some things about them. He'd heard that there was some fighting that was going on in the church. He heard that there's some people that were coming into the church. They were teaching things that weren't true about God. And so Paul, he wrote the church and basically is telling them, guys, it is time to quit fighting. We, we, as a church, we've got to get on the same page because we have an important job to do. And that job is to impact the culture in which we're living so that people will know who Jesus is. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen through God's people. And the same thing is true for us. And so in this text, what we see is Paul is sharing with the Philippian church how they can make a difference. And I believe the same things that he's telling the Philippian church on how to make a difference in their community applies to us today. So, so how do we make a difference in our community? Now last week we talked about making a difference on our campuses. This week we're talking about making a difference in our community. So what are some steps that we can take as Christians, as a church, that will impact community? All right, the very first thing I see in our text today, if we're going to make a difference in our community, there is a calling for us to be unified. We're called to be unified. Now I want you to look with me in verse number 1. It, said, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, Paul said, Fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Now, I hope that whenever you look at that, that you'll see where I got the idea of being unified. He says, you are called to be unified as believers. Now, a word that gets bandied around a lot in our culture today is the word diversity. Uh, the word diversity very just simply means a variety. A range of different things. And what culture tells us today is that the more diverse you are, the stronger you are. Now, I want to share with you something that's probably not going to seem all that politically correct. That is hogwash. Diversity does not bring strength. You know what brings strength? Unity. Unity brings strength. Now, I'm not saying that we are all the same. We're all different. God has gifted his people differently. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and here's some examples. I mean, I know that on the stage today, there are people that are gift, I mean, so gifted musically. Now, this may shock you. Not everybody in this room has the gift of music. If you don't believe me, just sometimes don't sing and listen. It can be kind of scary. But we don't, we don't all have the same, we don't all have the same gifts. We are all very different. But, but here is where, where we can be different and yet be unified. You see, if we are going to see power expressed in the church, and we're going to see power expressed in, in reaching our community, it is a bunch of different people coming together unified with one purpose. What are we supposed to be unified in? Well, if you look in verse 2, Paul shares it with us. He says, I want you to be unified in your thinking. I want you to be unified in your love. I want you to be unified in your feelings. I want you to be unified in your goals. And whenever we are unified, it is then that we see strength. It is not diversity. It is unity that brings strength. And our purpose is to lift up the name of Jesus. And when we do that together, guys, let me tell you something. God will fall. The Holy Spirit will fall on our community. 
That's why Paul told them. He said, guys, I want you to quit, I want you to quit fighting with each other. I don't want there to be any arguing or grumbling. He wanted them to remember their focus, their purpose. Now, what was their purpose? In Philippians 2, verses, or, yeah, verses 10 through 11, Paul shares it with them. Here's the purpose. He said, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is why we are here. Now let me say this about the church. Y'all, this church, and I really mean this, it's a very gifted church. There's so many gifted people here. Some of you, like I said, there's some who are gifted musically. There are some of you who are gifted in influence, the influence that you have in your workplaces. Uh, some of you are gifted in that you're just some of those people that whenever there is an assignment, you get the job done. Now, if we take all of those giftednesses that you have and we put them together behind the same purpose, there's going to be power. There's going to be great things that are done. Now, now let me share with you just a few ways that, that we do this now. My hope being that you'll determine to join in on all the fun. Uh, when, when this church started in 2002, the, here's, here's the, the, sort of the motivating force behind it. We said, we want to be a church that makes a difference that makes a difference in our community. We said, we don't want to be a church that says, hey, what can the community do for us? We came together and said, what are we going to do as a church that is going to impact the community? And so here's what was born out of, just one of the things born out of that. We said, we're going to meet uh, together as believers in different homes. We have Bible studies so that we can share what God's Word says, so that we can pray for the neighborhoods where we are, so that we can serve in the neighborhoods where we are, so that people will see Jesus. Another thing that we do is we said we're going to be involved in the life of the community, like we're going to be doing this coming Friday. We have balloons and tunes. You might say, who ever thought balloons and tunes would be a spiritual outreach, right? I mean, but that's what it's going to be. You say, how in the world can you turn some, how can you turn Jesus into balloons and tunes? Guys, you know, here's what, it's really interesting. If we come together, and we are doing this, because we, here's what we want to do. We want people to see that we are there and say we, and here's what we're saying as a church, we believe this community is worth investing in. That event, we're not, we're not charging people to come to that event. That's one of my favorite things. When we do something, people always say, hey, how much does this cost? And I'll say, well, you can write a check for cash. And No, I don't do that. I say, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. You know, it doesn't cost anything. Now, there's no such thing as a free meal, right, free lunch, right? Y- y'all are actually, we're, we're paying for it. But we're doing it for the community because we're saying we believe you're worth investing in. And then whenever we come together and we serve together, you know, we're going to have a hot air balloon there. There's going to be a games for the kids. There's going to be food trucks there. Our band is going to be doing a concert there. Whenever we come together and we are serving, people are going to say, how much is it or why are you doing this? And here's what we get to say. We're doing this because we want you to see Jesus. We believe that Jesus values you, and we think a way that we value you for Jesus is by coming here and serving you. Guys, and let me tell you something. Every year, this always happens. There's always people who end up coming into the church because you serve them. And because they come into here and they meet people like you and they, and they hear the word of God, there are people every year who come into a relationship with Christ. But for stuff like that to happen will require you and me getting in the game. Not being spectators. Being involved, serving other people. And when that happens, change takes place. 
It's teamwork. It's not diversity. It is unity as a team. Yeah, I remember whenever Michael Jordan came out of retirement. It's back in, uh, I think, the second time, 2001. And he signed with the Washington Wizards. And people were so excited whenever he came back. said during practice, they'd pass him the ball. And he said, everybody just sort of stop and watch him. And they, they, they were just mesmerized by him, and they wanted to watch him shoot the ball. And he said, I began to realize, they're going to pass me the ball, and they're not going to do anything. And so he, he made up a, a rule in practice, and in scrimmages, said there's a the no shooting rule. He said, if you pass me the ball, I'm not shooting. He said, I'm going to pass it off to you. And he said, I remember one scrimmage, he said, we were down by one point. He said, I was underneath the basket all by myself. Five seconds left, somebody threw me the ball, and he said, I didn't even shoot it. He said, I passed it right back to him. He said, I was trying to teach him, if we're going to win... It requires teamwork. Villagers, if we are going to make an impact, it requires us being involved. It requires us being unified, serving together for the purpose to make Jesus' name known. So the way we make a difference in our community by being unified. But another way we can make a difference in our community, and I think this is a tough one here, is to be humble. It's, it's to be humble. Now, verse number three, it says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Paul said when we serve, while we are here, he said you're not to do anything out of rivalry or conceit. That word rivalry, it's referring to looking out for your own best interest over the interest of others. Now I look at that, and here's, here's what I think automatically. I think that makes sense to me. I mean, how, why in the world would I ever want to do anything that's going to benefit somebody else more than me? And that, that's me being honest with you. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, that's not very spiritual. Well, you're the same way. Okay, we're all the same. We always, we are looking to take care of ourselves more than anybody else. But here's why we are not to do that as believers. Because when you become a follower of Jesus, you and I no longer belong to ourselves. Do you know that? You belong to Jesus. You belong to him. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God in your body. Christians, we've been bought by Jesus, which means we, we are his property. So whenever I, whenever I live, as I live, as I serve it's not for me. I don't belong to myself anymore. I am serving for Jesus. I, I, I no longer live now to brag about myself, to talk about how good I am. And, and here's the deal. When it comes down to it, you and I, on our, our record on our own, it's not really not worth bragging about. You know, Ephesians 2, 3 tells us that apart from Jesus, here's who we are. In our nature, we are objects of God's wrath. That's who we are by ourselves. But God in his grace paid a price for us on the cross, removing the judgment of sin from us. Now, some of the, some of the Christians in the Philippian church, they thought we're serving, and as we serve, I look good when I serve. Look how nice I am. And that's why Paul said when you serve, he said don't do so out of rivalry, don't do so out of conceit. The word, the word conceit means to have excessive pride in oneself. And this is part of the definition I like. Having a self-esteem that has no foundation in reality. Yeah, that's, that, is, uh, that is what, another word for that is inflated ego. So, so Paul was saying, don't serve people to build yourself up, to say, look how good I look. Paul said, that's not why you serve. 
He said you are to consider others as more important than yourselves. That word consider, it means to esteem others. How, how do I esteem somebody else? How do I esteem others over myself? Well, that takes, that takes humility. That takes putting somebody else above yourself. Can you, imagine, can you imagine how different the world would be if we were all humble? Let me tell you something. Let me, if we're humble, there would never, ever again be fighting, arguing, bickering. There'd be no jealousies if we were truly humble. It'd be a great world to live in. It'd be a totally different place. Uh, Andrew Murray said, The humble person is not one who thinks meanly of himself. He simply does not think of himself at all. He understands his place. You know, a few weeks ago, we had the incredible solar eclipse, the total solar eclipse event in Columbia. Okay, how many, did y'all watch that? How many of y'all watch that? Did y'all watch that? Okay, I'm not even going to ask. If there's anybody in here who did not watch that, just lie and say, I did watch it. Um, I, I watched it. Now, I've seen some eclipses before. And I remember thinking, this is really my thought. Before, it was, when it was coming up, I thought, I, I've seen an eclipse before. I mean, how, and I, I heard all these numbers about people coming here from all over the place, and I thought, those people are nuts. I mean, why would you do that? As a matter of fact, Matthew and the staff, they went up to Chick-fil-A, they met somebody who came here from England. They came to Killian Road to watch the solar eclipse. And I'm thinking, that, I mean, that's, that, is, that is insane. And so, so we're sitting there, and, and the eclipse is coming with Emily, and I was like, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm going to watch it because you got to, because they made such a big deal out of it, but we got the glasses, and so we're sitting there, and, it's, and I'm like, oh, look, you know, here comes the eclipse that I've seen before. The, the moon's kind of blocking out the sun, and it kept going and kept going. And y'all remember when the total eclipse happened? Was that unreal? I, I really was. I was blown. I was like, okay, this is a bigger deal than I realized. And I watched it, and it got dark. And it was, I mean, the weather, I was like, this is cool. Middle of the day, the, the humidity, I, you could feel the humidity just gone. And I was like, please, God, let there be eclipse every day. And so, you know, we're sitting there. And so we are, I mean, I, and it was so cool. It was so short, but it was one of the neatest things. And we sat there, we watched it. And I, I remember after it was over, I looked at Emily, and this is, a, this is the truth. I just looked at him, I said, how in the world could you see something like that happen and believe that there is not a God? That really was. That's, the, that's what I thought. Uh, what was crazy is if, if, and now if, you saw, if you were at some events watching this, here's what happened. The eclipse happened. Did people start clapping and cheering? where y'all were? Okay, and I sat there and I watched, I was like, people are clapping for God and they don't even know it. Now, now, how did they know that eclipse was going to happen? Well, you know, the, and they've been, because they've been talking about this thing coming for a long time. Okay, they know it for one, because I'm, the, these, you know, NASA scientists, they're, they're pretty smart, right? But they didn't just know that it was coming because of how smart they are. They knew it was going to happen because of this reason, because of the precision of creation. You, I mean, you realize that? That this thing has been on the books for a long time. How do they know it's happening? Because that is the way God created the world. And I watched that, and let me tell you something. It made me, when it happened, I, here's what I thought. I thought, you know what, in the big, because I think the world revolves around me. I, I do. <laughs> I saw that thing, and I thought, it doesn't. It does not revolve around me. And I, I recognized my place. That in the great scheme of things, I realized really just how small I am. And then whenever I think of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus, 
in the big scheme of things, I recognize my place. I am not here to serve me. You are not here to serve you. Guys, we are here as Christians and as a church to lift up the name of Jesus. We are here to serve our community in the name of Jesus, not to serve ourselves. And every year I see people in our church who humble themselves and do this. And it's really neat. You know, every, every Friday night, a guy in our church, John Monroe, who has a job, takes off work and he picks up food for 80 football players at Blythewood High School. And he drives over there with people from our church who feed the team. And I'm thinking, John, I think that's a little beneath you. Every year at our Easter extravaganza, we have people in our church, you, who have jobs, and you will sit down and you will put together over 20,000 plastic eggs. Others of you will sit there at a grill and make hot dogs for a couple of thousand people. And I think, that job's beneath you. But then, here's what I remember. Those people who are serving, life's not about them. It is about Jesus and lifting up his name. And they are willing to humble himself, themselves because that's what Jesus did for us. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. That's what Jesus did taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' true power was evidenced in his humility. We saw his greatness when he went to the cross. Village Church, our power will be evidenced in the name of Jesus in our humility as we serve others. So how do we impact a community? You know, how, how does that happen? We, we be unified. We are to be unified. We are to be humble. And then here's the last one. It's very simple. We are to be kind. If we're going to make a difference in our community, we must be kind. Verse 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. One of, the, one of the fruits of the Spirit that's given to us in the Bible, it's Galatians 5, it says it is kindness. And we think, well, of course it is. We're supposed to be kind. But as easy as, easy as it is to say that, kindness is a rare commodity. You know why? Because here's in general, mankind in general, we are selfish. We want to do whatever it is that's going to put us first. We will run over people to make sure we get our fair share. You know, I got a, I got a hungry mouth to feed. And if I, have to, if I have to mow you down, I'll do it. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking care of your own needs. But Paul said, don't just recognize your own needs. He said, also recognize the needs of others. That is kindness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate, one to another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me tell you something. When we display kindness, it is transformative because it's an action where you perform and you demonstrate that you are thinking of others instead of yourself. That's kindness. Thinking of others before yourself. Let me give you an example. I, I told the first service this. I, I read this story, and it sounded so good at the time I read it. And now that I'm saying it, I don't know if it's as good as I think. But I'm going to share it with you anyway, because I told the first, it's too late. I'm here. So there's this guy named Robert Tuttle wrote this book. He wrote a story about kindness. 
And in the book, he talked about this little nine-year-old boy who was in class. I guess it's like, what, third grade. And so he's, he's sitting at his desk, and he has, he, has to, he has to go to the bathroom. But he, he doesn't make it, and so he, he wets himself. And he is totally, exactly, uh-oh. And he is totally humiliated. Now, he's hoping nobody will notice. And so he's, and he looks down, and there's starting to be a puddle down by his feet. And so he's sitting there, and, and he's looking around, because he, he knows. if any, you know, how, you know how kids are. If you get a chance to absolutely just rail on somebody, I mean, take advantage of it, right? And for the rest of their lives. And so he's looking around, please, God, don't let anybody see this. And a little girl is walking by, and she notices it. And she's got a, she's got a bowl in her hand, a goldfish bowl. It's got water in it. She walks over to him and just dumps it in his lap. Now, everybody in the class looks up, and they see that boy. He's all of a sudden, he's covered, he's wet. And the teacher runs over and says, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. She says, we got to go change your clothes. She picks the boy up. The, ever, all the other students in the class are calling that girl and say, what a klutz. I can't believe you did that. And they're making fun of her. At the end of the day, that little boy, he's got dry pants on now. He walks over to the little girl, and he says, you did that on purpose, didn't you? And she looked at him, and she said, yeah, I've wet my pants before. Now, okay, here's the deal. That is kindness. I mean, that, that is an example of a girl. She, she put the interest of somebody else above her own interest. So, so what do we do? That's what we do. We demonstrate kindness to others. We think of others before ourselves. Now, Village Church, we have a calling from God to demonstrate kindness to others to love them, to care for them. We, so many times as, as Christians in general, we, we are spectators way too often. You know, we're like those people when something bad has happened who pull out their phone and video it. And I want, I'm like, what's that all about? Do something. That, that is not our calling. Our calling is not to pull out a phone and video. Our calling is to demonstrate kindness, to be the people who intervene, to be the people who, who step up and say, I will serve you in the name of Jesus. Because somebody served me in the name of Jesus and it changed my life. Now what can we do? You know, if we're going to impact our community, we're to be unified. We, we are here for one reason, one reason only. It is the name of Jesus. If we're going to make a difference and impact our community, we are called to be humble to put the interests of others over ourselves, and we're called to be kind, to actually engage people and demonstrate the love of Christ. Now, here's the neat thing. So we have something coming up this week that we can actually do this. We have balloons and tunes, this big spiritual event, right? We have a table right out there with balloons there. As you're walking in, we need people to serve. I really believe this. I believe that's probably going to be one of the biggest events we do this year. I, I, believe there, I, I really think this. If the weather's good, I think there's going to be... I think there's going to be... I think there's going to be Thousands of people there. Y'all, that is nuts. I think, I think there'll be a couple thousand people there. Maybe more. I don't know. But we need you. And we need you to come and demonstrate kindness, to serve in the name of Jesus. That, that we have tables set up. We have a community table set up. You might say, where else can I serve in the community? Well, we have a table that, that's set up where you can go to the community table and look and see where are some areas where I can be involved. Not just being a spectator, but serving. And why, why do we want to do these things? Because God, I really believe this, God has put our church here in order to make a difference for his name in this community. Because when people hear the name of Jesus, 
and then they follow Jesus, they will be transformed for an eternity. That's the kind of message that you and I are carrying around with us. In the name of Jesus that changes people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am, I am grateful for your word. And Jesus, I'm grateful that, you know, as we look in the book of Philippians, that we see Paul just very simply telling people, saying, hey, listen, we, it is time to quit playing. This life is passing by. Get in the game. Lord, I pray that as, as Village Church, as believers, Lord, that we will step up to the plate and say we will engage our community for Jesus. Because if we're ever going to see change happen, it can only happen when the hearts of men are touched by God. Lord, may we be the vessel that you work through in order to bring about transformation in this community. Jesus, we believe in you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.